Amen. Well, hold your Bible. Lift it up. This is my Bible. I believe what it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. I am a believer and not a doubter. A doer, not just a hearer. Today, I will learn from God's Word. And my life will never be the same. Because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. We are still talking about grace in the marketplace. Amen? Grace in the marketplace and how you can take God's grace and apply it uh, to day-to-day living and to your Christian walk, especially in the marketplace. And uh, quickly, let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter number 15, verse 10. So last week, we were talking about uh, how important it is for you to realize that God has given you a gift. And for you to go back to him, the maker, the creator, and to find out what gift he has given to you. Amen? So that you may start walking in it. And here's what the Bible says in 1 Corinthians 15 verse 10. The Apostle Paul writing, he says, But by the grace of God, it is by grace that you are who you are. Amen? Amen. It is not because of your own ingenuity or because you are clever. It is because of God's grace. And he made you the way you are and blessed you to be who you are. And deposited. In fact, he said to Jeremiah, before you were formed in your mother's womb, I knew you. You know what that means? That means no one is an accident. You may have been an accident to your parents, but not to God. God knew you before you were formed in your mother's womb. Amen. And he says, and his grace was bestowed upon me. His grace which was bestowed upon me was not in vain. Which means the grace bestowed upon you can be in vain. If you don't do what he's about to say next. See, a lot of grace people think grace is the license to not do anything. They believe grace is the license to chill. (laughs) But grace is actually the empowerment to fulfill your assignment while you're here on earth. Amen? He said, but I labored more abundantly than, it, than they all. In other words, I recognized and realized that I was gifted, but even above my gift, I labored above everybody. And then he concludes it by saying, it wasn't even I laboring. <laughs> it was the grace of God. Did you read that? But the grace of God which was with, yet not I. It's not me who was doing the laboring. It was the grace of God which was in me. In other words, I cooperated with the grace to make sure that the grace of God is not in vain. The most gifted place in the whole universe is the grave. Because a lot of people lying in there didn't cooperate with the grace of God to fulfill their purposes. Hallelujah! Praise the Lord! Man, it's quiet in this Catholic church. We'll get you to say amen. Amen. Today, we want to talk about kings and priests and how God has anointed you for the marketplace. Amen. Amen. God has anointed two kinds of people. The Bible says in Revelation chapter number 1 verse 6, He has made unto us kings and priests. Priests are anointed or have been given the authority to function within these four walls. Uh, Kings have been given the authority to function in the marketplace. And it's a valid ministry. Amen? To function as kingdom people in the marketplace. There is a difference between a religious mindset and a kingdom mindset. A religious mindset is focused on escaping and getting out of here. It's focused on one day. One day we'll get out of here. 
And everything will be better. We'll get to the sweet by and by. To the sweet by and by, right? One day we'll get out of it. But a kingdom mindset or a person with a kingly anointing or a kingly grace on their life, they are focused on taking ground and advancing in the marketplace and in whatever God has called them to do. Let's go to Luke chapter number 19, verse 3. Luke chapter number 19, verse 3. The story of the talents. Amen. Luke 19, verse 3. Verse 13. Did I say 3? 13. Let's go to 13. This is Jesus talking about the master. And the Bible says, And he called his ten servants and delivered to them ten pounds, and said unto them, Make use of it until I come. Please give it to me in the New King James. Then we'll read the Amplified. So he called ten of his servants, delivered to them ten miners or miners, and said to them, do what? I didn't hear that. He said, do what? In other words, go into the marketplace and make use of what I've given you. But I'm going to come back. And then when I come back, we're going to have a reckoning session to find out if you followed the instruction. Because the master doesn't like to waste stuff. So he wants to know whether you used what he gave you, and then he's going to figure out where to place you. And this reckoning takes place every day, every week, in everyone's life. There's a constant, consistent reckoning. Every day, God is assessing to see what you are doing with the instructions he has given you. In fact, this is the first instruction mankind ever received from God. Go to Genesis chapter number 1, verse 26. Man, it's going to be good today. It's going to be awesome. Genesis chapter number 1, verse 26. God said... Let us make man in our image, according to our likeness. Let them have dominion. Let them have what? In other words, these cats, I want them to dominate. So when we go into the marketplace, we're not going to be wimpy or to play dead or to roll with the punches. We are going to dominate. That's the mindset of a kingdom. This is why all the kings in the Bible, David, they would take territory. Because that's what it's about. Even the Apostle Paul in his ministry, he wasn't about to uh, build a big church in Ephesus and just, oh, let's all get together, all dance and sing Kumbaya. No, it was about taking territory. After we finish with the church at Ephesus, we go into the church at Colossae. After we're done with that, we go to Corinthians. We are dominating, taking ground. That's the mindset. Hallelujah. Next verse. So God created man in his own image, and in the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Verse 28, give it to me in the Message Bible. Message Bible. Uh, Verse, okay, let me read it again. Uh, God spoke, let us make human beings in our image. Make them reflecting our nature, so they can be responsible for the fish in the sea. So who's responsible? The birds in the air, the cattle, and yes, the what? And every animal that moves upon the face of the earth, God created human beings and he created them God-like. So God created human beings and gave them a business idea. 
<laughs> How many of you know that God could have planted the whole earth? But he planted a garden. And then he said, now you need to recognize that I've given you every herb bearing seed. And every fruit, fruit within the fruit is a seed. Now you do the planting. You take this idea and make it international. That's what God was doing. Next verse. Man, God is not small-minded. Uh, next verse. Oh, yeah. Reflecting God's nature. He created the male and female. God blessed them. Uh, inverted commas. In other words, these are the first, this is the first word mankind ever heard from God. When he became alive. The first word human beings ever heard from God was prosper. And here you are fighting people that preach prosperity. Yet the first thing, God, God could have said healing. He could have said faith. He could have said rapture. <laughs> the man said prosper. Amen. Do you see it? Yep. Dude said prosper. Amen. It's the first word. And the second thing is said reproduce. And the word reproduce does not mean to re, uh, uh, procreate. It means take what I've given you and grow it. In fact, if you read in the King James Bible, it says, subdue the earth. Go everywhere with this idea. And then after that, it says, fill the earth and do what? That's a kingdom mindset. Take charge. Amen? Be responsible for the fish of the sea and the birds in the air for every living thing that moves on the face of the earth. And God created them and released them or launched them into the marketplace. So here, the dude, remember the master? He gave them talents. To one he gave five, to another he gave two, to the other he gave one. He says, go and do what? Business. And then he came back for the reckoning. Let's go to Matthew chapter number 25, verse 20. Let's see what happened. Let's see if they followed the instruction, right? Matthew chapter number 25 verse 20 in the New King James Bible. Matthew 25 verse 20. So he who had received five talents came and brought how many? Five other talents. So he went and did business and brought back a profit. Do you see it? He went to the marketplace, did whatever he did, and came back with five more talents, saying, Lord, you delivered to me five talents. Look, I have gained five more talents besides them. Next verse. So his Lord said to him, well done, good and what? Faithful servant. You were faithful over a what? I didn't hear that. Over a what? So you were faithful with the Garden of Eden over this concept over this idea that I've given you, I will now make you ruler over what? You know, we always teach the first principle of faithfulness, which is he who is faithful with the least is also faithful with much. Here is the second principle of faithfulness. He who is faithful with the least, God gives them more. He says you've been faithful with the least, and because you've been faithful with the least, here is more. You've been faithful over a few things. Now I will make you ruler over many things. You know, in this church we preach mind renewal. And you know, I was did, doing a teaching on godly uh, imagination and telling people to create vision boards and stuff like that. And I have a question for you this morning. Can you see your dream house right now if I ask you to walk into it? Can you do that in your imagination? 
Can you go into the welcome center and see the roof so high? You know, someone once said to me, Tafar, as long as you live in a house where they had to put a room on top of the welcome center and the roof is so low, you ain't started. He said, man, it should be, when you look up at the welcome, the foyer, what do you call it? Man, it should be so high and chandeliers. And, man, can you see it? Can you see that house in your mind? Can you see bedrooms everywhere? Can you walk into that bedroom in your mind? Can you walk into the walk-in closet? Now, do you see shoes lying everywhere? It's clean and organized, right? Are they organized? Let's go to the kitchen. Is the kitchen sparkling clean or you have dirty dishes from last night? But here is the truth. If the house you left this morning is a closet... Now you don't like me anymore, right? <laughs> if the house you left at home this morning has shoes lying everywhere, you is lying to yourself thinking that the mansion is spotless. And man, just lean on your neighbor and say, don't get angry at him. Don't get angry, don't get angry at him. Tell them, hey, the, the mansion was clean. Tell them the mansion was clean until we moved you in. That's all he's saying. The man is saying, if you are not faithful with the one-bedroom closet, if we give you a mansion with a walk-in closet, we've just given you a big junkyard. So we are not into a resource waste business. We look at people who've been faithful with the least and promote them into much. Next verse. Oh, man. He who received two talents came and said, Lord, you delivered to me two talents. Look, I've gained two more talents besides them. His Lord said unto him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of the Lord. Then he who had received one talent came and said, Lord, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. And I was afraid. And I went and I hid your talent in the ground. Look, there you have what is yours. Listen to what the man said. His Lord answered and said, You wicked and lazy servant. You knew that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed. So you ought to have deposited my money with the bankers and at my coming I would have received back my own with interest. Next verse. Therefore, take the talent from him and give it to him who has ten talents. Evidently, Jesus doesn't think like Robin Hood. Did you see it? Jesus says, take from this cat who has one. I know he's struggling. He only has one. Give it to the one who has ten. Now, I used to get confused with this story. Because, I, you know, I thought the talents were talents like gifts. And I was thinking, man, God, you're taking away his gift to sing and you're giving it to a guy who's already an artist and engineer and all these things. Man, now you want, the engineer, you want the engineer to be an engineer, to be an artist, and then to sing? And the Lord showed me something that was spectacular in terms of revelation. He said to me, man, the gifts and callings are without repentance. Romans 11, verse 29. He said, man, I didn't take away his gift or his talent. What I took away is his opportunity. He says to me, 
Man in prayer and revelation, he says, Tafara, I will take away opportunities in a hurry from people who are wasteful, people who are not prepared, people who, who will embarrass me. I will take those opportunities and give it to people with 10 opportunities already because they value opportunities. He said, man, I will not let you run 100 meters at the Olympics if you have not been prepared and preparing for it. Because that's just going to embarrass you. So we'll take that opportunity and give it to someone else. I was saying in the early church, I love musicians. I said, what would be the greatest opportunity that God can present you? He says, man, playing at the Madison Square Garden. I said, now you go at the Madison Square Garden and picture yourself the same way you're playing at church, missing chords, coming late, all those things. Take them to Madison Square Garden and see how big your failure will be. God will have assisted you to fail at a bigger level. You've been the New York Times. What a disrespectful, untalented, unprepared musician trying to play for us. This is why I'm a stickler for faithfulness. This is why I'm a stickler for excellence. You know, we go out and we buy the top quality equipment because we are sticklers for excellence because we know God is going to make us big one day. But guess what? We have to seize the opportunity where we are right now. There's a gentleman called Masa Yosha, son. Japanese businessman. He has a smell for opportunity. He values opportunity. In fact, the Bible says the rain falls both on the just and the unjust. When it comes to faithfulness, God treats us equally. Amen? He's looking for people who are faithful. And if you are faithful, you will get increase. If you are not faithful, the opportunities you have will be taken away from you and given to someone else. That's kingdom mathematics. Masayosa was sitting in his office and Jack Ma, some of you don't know Jack Ma, he owns Alibaba, billion dollar business. Jack Ma walked into his office and Massa was going to the airport packing his bags and he said to Jack Ma, hey, tell me about this idea quickly. I, I'm giving you three minutes. Jack Ma started talking. He didn't even think this guy was listening. But this guy knows the value of opportunity. He's packing his bags, listening. After three minutes, took out his checkbook, wrote a check for 20 million US dollars. Today, that 20 million has become 56 billion. He has an amazing smell for opportunity. He knows the power of life and influence in the marketplace is to know where the opportunity is. 2012, my wife and I are preaching in California. We met an Asian lady uh, who had been offered a job position by Jack Ma, a Christian, a believer, who should have even a better sense and smell for opportunity. You know why? Because the Bible says the Holy Spirit will guide us into all truth. And not only that, he will show us things to come. But you know what the problem is with the church? When the Bible says the Holy Spirit will show us things to come, we are thinking it's showing us things to come concerning rapture because we're thinking to escape. <laughs> we can't relate with the Holy Spirit showing us things to come in the marketplace. So we miss opportunities. This woman was offered a position. She turned him down. 2012 when Alibaba went public, New York Stock Exchange, they paid out 1.5 was the minimum they paid. U.S. dollars, million, 1.5 million U.S. dollars to uh, their employees for unrestricted, for restricted shares. 
that had finally come to fruition. Here you are still believing and binding, praying for a breakthrough, but you're not listening to the direction of the Holy Spirit for the marketplace. Because we think kingdom is just, you know, religion. No, it's not. God can give you ideas, witty inventions, direction to succeed in the marketplace. But you have to take heed. You have to listen to him. Last year, right, Pastor Trevor, he started a private equity company, Masayosha. The, the most any private equity had ever raised before Masa came on the scene was $3 billion. And they would have to, I mean, have, be, have campaign after campaign after campaign. This guy walks into the market and he says, I want to raise $100 billion. And they said, what do you want to do with it? He said, I want to take it and bet on the future. He doesn't even have a business idea. The Saudi government gave him $45 billion on the spot. What's the business? I don't have it yet, but I'm betting on the future. Well, Massa, we know your track record. You value opportunity, so we'll give you 45 Within a month, he had raised over $100 billion. Apple came late to the party, gave him $10 billion. He says, I can't take your money. We've closed. We are on 99. We'll only take 1 billion of your 10. Now he's raised 100 billion. You know why? Because he knows the value of opportunity. And guess what? We should be walking in those things as children of God. But we get too busy. In fact, he, told, he tells us why we don't receive concepts and ideas in Mark chapter number 4. He says the first class of people, they lack understanding. So the birds of the air come and take it away. Because they don't, they don't grow in their area of calling. He says the second class, they lack depth. They lack depth. So when it grows, a few challenges here, there. Man, you should listen to this guy's story. He went through some tough times. But guess what? He went through them. He didn't give up on the dream. The third reason is deceitfulness of riches. He said you're too busy, the thorny ground. He says you just wake up, brush your teeth, wash, and go into traffic and do it all over again for 80 years. You have no time to listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit. So he can show you ideas, witty inventions, which he has promised you. Hallelujah! Man, it's getting quiet in this Catholic church. I'm telling you. Do you know when the Bible says, give me a tenth and I'll open the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing? That word blessing simply means I'll pour you out an idea, a concept, an innovation. That's what God is pouring out of heaven. In fact, this is why the Solomon says there's nothing new under the sun. You know why? Because everything has already been created and stored in the spiritual realm. Watch this for God's children. But a few go and press the button, download. That's all you have to do. Go into the spiritual realm and download it. Because it's already there. George Washington Carver, you remember the guy? He liberated the economy of the South single-handedly. He would go into the room and ask God for inventions. And God gave him 300 products from a peanut. From face powders to uh, whey proteins. One guy, and liberated the whole economy of the South. You know why? Because God can anoint you for the marketplace. Amen. And I was saying in the early church, you know, this church is a peculiar anointing Amen. for 
the unlikely things to happen. And you know, I was talking to someone last week, and I hadn't even thought about it. I hadn't even, you know, sat down to think about what God is doing until someone came uh, to my office for a meeting and said, Pastor T, do you realize what God is doing in this church? I hadn't even thought about it. One guy walked into the church last week. We, found, we asked him, how did you find out about the church? He said, man, I, I asked the Uber driver for a list of churches in this neighborhood, and he gave me Faith Hill Church. That's the most unlikeliest person, that's the most unlikeliest way to be connected to this church. Wow. And there's a grace in this church. Man, when you look around you, you will see unlikely people to be here, according to logic. If you come to the early service, you'll be like, what? What's going on here? People from all different walks of life. And I'm telling you, you can take that grace into the marketplace and believe God for the most unlikeliest connections. The most unlikeliest contracts. The most unlikeliest promotions will begin to find you. Because the same grace on this ministry and you are a partner on this ministry, you can take it into the marketplace. And things will begin to happen in your life. That are unlikely. And I was saying to the early church, we're not a small church anymore. If you don't believe it, you hide and watch. (laughs) No, we're not. Amen. Let's go now to Genesis. But before we go there, let's go to Proverbs chapter number 13, verse 21. And then we'll close. Proverbs 13, verse 21 to 22. Proverbs 13. Evil pursues sinners, but to the righteous good shall be repaid. Next verse. A good man leaves an inheritance to his children's children. But the wealth of the sinner is stored up for the righteous. God is saying, there is some easy money for you in the marketplace. He's saying the wealth of the wicked is stored up for the just. When I first heard this scripture, it confused me. I was like, Lord, where is this money stored up? Is it in Polokwani? Is it in... Maslatini, because I need to get a bus. I need to get on the bus. Buy me a ticket so I can go and get my hands on this money. And God told me it's stored up in the marketplace. You just need to go to the marketplace with the ideas that I give you and create a stream that will begin. And you don't even have to have a business. Sometimes you just have to hear from the voice of the Holy Spirit. He will tell you, hey, be a cleaner at Alibaba for five years and you will cash in 1.5 million. You see, some of you are caught up in the wrong stuff. I need to get this MBA and then this doctorate and the PhD. And then I'll start making money. No, you just need to hear from the voice of the Holy Spirit. Man, a cleaner at Alibaba walked away with 1.5. He didn't know what to do with it. All he needed to do was to be at the right place at the right time. He probably didn't even understand what a restricted share is. I don't know what a restricted share is, but this thing pays a lot. (laughs) 
I mean, on his next interview, he's like, do you have restricted chairs? It's like, dude, we want you to clean. Do you have any questions? Do you have restricted chairs? Because, man, I know, I know this thing pays. <laughs> you didn't even know it. She said to be at the right place at the right time, and fortunes change. Amen? Second Chronicles chapter number 1, verse 13. Let's see this anointing in action. Thank you, Jesus. Second Chronicles chapter number 1, verse 13. So Solomon came to Jerusalem from the high place. That was at Gibeon. From before the tabernacle of meeting. And reigned over Israel. And Solomon gathered chariots and horsemen. And he had 1,400 chariots and 3,000 horsemen. Whom he stationed in the chariot cities with the king in Jerusalem. Also the king. Someone say, also the king. It is the kings that will do this. It's the people with this anointing for the marketplace. Also the king made silver and gold as common in Jerusalem as stones. This is the most prosperous time ever in the history of Israel. It was the reign of Solomon. They didn't have to fight anyone. It was the most peaceful as well. You know why? Because he knew how to navigate the anointing of kings in the marketplace. He made silver and gold as common as stones. Can you even fathom it? You know, sometimes when we preach prosperity, people challenge us and they say, Pastor, so are you saying and everyone can be rich? Yes, everyone can be rich. It's been done before and it can be done again. But you know, your poverty, scarcity mindset tells you someone must be poor. Well, you can be poor. Amen. How long will it take you if you walked out of this building to find a rock or a stone? Two minutes? Five minutes? That's how easy it was to get your hands on gold and silver. Five minutes, Baba. And you know who did it? It's the king. The person with the king anointing. What did he do? Let's read on and you'll find out how he achieved that. He made cedars and abundant, as abundant as sycamores, which are in the lowland. And Solomon had horses imported from Egypt and Kivit. This, is what, this was his business. The king's merchants, or the king's business people, bought them in Kivi at the current price. They also acquired and imported from Egypt a chariot for 600 shekels of silver and a horse for 150. Thus, through their agents, they exported them to all the kings of the Hittites and the kings of Syria. So the man Solomon was like, you know what? I don't have to fight with Syrians and Hittites. I just have to monopolize the business of horses. And then one horse per month. We export one horse per month. Let's see how mighty of an army they can build with one horse per See, some of you get caught up in fighting too much. You know, spiritual warfare. Yeah, let's fight, let's fight. And he just, he was like, man... One horse per month. Let's see how big an army you can build to challenge us. And he started exporting the horses. So every horse that went to his enemy came through his hands. And what kind of horses do you think he exported? <laughs> well, if he was me at least, right? <laughs> Amen? What is he doing? He's using his grace for the marketplace to make things work for the kingdom. And... Through the process, he became the richest man. 
Solomon was the most selfless man you ever read in scripture. The man with the kingly anointing. If you want that king anointing to function on you, you're going to have to be self, selfless. You're going to have to be kingdom minded. You're going to have to be a person who thinks about the kingdom more than they think about them. See, because if you're thinking about Lamborghini, Solomon could have gotten a Lamborghini in the first week of his reign. That's too small. He was thinking everyone in this land must be prosperous. I need to make sure that the kingdom becomes a dominant force. And as he did that, God made him the richest man to ever live in history because of his mindset. Hallelujah. Let's go now to Genesis 28. In fact, let's go to Genesis 30. Thank you, Jesus. Genesis 30. Some of you know the story of uh, Laban and Jacob. Remember Jacob worked for Laban for 14 years. Remember the story? Yet he had the anointing of a king on his life. But he understood you need to grow into this anointing. I want you to hear me. Faithfulness in God is progressive. When a seed is sown... It's always first the blade, then the ear, then the full corn in the ear. That's Mark chapter number 4, 28 onwards. First the blade, then the ear, then the full corn in the ear. It's always progressive. This man, his dad laid his hands on him, prophesied over his life, told him, you're going to be a mighty nation. But he went and found a job and worked and was trained for 14 years. I want to talk to some of you graduates, you know. When you graduate and find a job, don't walk in there like you are the it, because you're not. Go in there, humble yourself, do a spreadsheet, make photocopies, make tea if they ask you, and learn what you need to learn. He worked for 14 years. A man with a prophecy to be the most dominant nation in the land. 14 years. And after he had proved himself faithful for 14 years, now he can start talking about shareholding. You can't just come from a Latin, join the company in January, February. Ah, uh, you know, I was thinking I want also a piece of this cake. Ah, uh, ah, uh, ah, uh, ah, uh, ah. Uh, ah. Uh. Chief. <laughs> Chief. 14 years. Watch what he said. When Rachel had born, Jacob said to Laban, send me away, that I may go my own place, to my own country. Give me my wives, my children, for whom I have served you, and let me go. For you know my service, which I have done to you. And Laban said unto him, please stay. Can you imagine your boss saying this to you? Please stay, if I have found favor in your eyes. For I have learned by experience, there has to be experience, by experience that the Lord has blessed me for your sake. Your company should prosper because you work for them. Then he said, name me your wages, and I will give it. But by this time, uh, Jacob was bigger than a wage boy. You know why? Because he had proved faithful for 14 years. And watch what he said. So Jacob said unto him, um, you know I've served you, and how your livestock have, have been with me. For what you have before I came was little, and it has increased to a great amount. For the Lord has blessed you since my coming. And now... When shall I also provide for my own house? So he said, what shall I give you? Jacob said, you shall not give me anything. If you will do this thing for me, I will again feed and keep your flock. I will keep my job. Let me pass through all the flock today, removing from there all the speckled and spotted sheep, and all the brown ones amongst the lambs, and the spotted and the speckled amongst the goats. And these shall be my wages. 
So my righteousness will answer for me in the time to come. When the subject of my wages comes before you, even one that is not speckled and spotted amongst the gods and brown amongst the lambs will be considered stolen if it is with me. And Laban said, Oh, that it were according to your word. So young man, you have a deal. So he removed that day the male goats that were speckled and spotted and all the female goats that were speckled and spotted, everyone that had some white in it and all the brown ones amongst the lambs and gave them into the hand of his sons. Then he put three days' journey between himself and Jacob, and Jacob fed the rest of Laban's flock. Now Jacob took for himself rods of green poplar. This is witty inventions. This is where God's creativity comes. He took rods of green poplar and of the almond of the chestnut trees and peeled with white stripes with white strips in them and exposed the white which was in the rods. And the rods which he had peeled, he set before the flocks in the gutters and in the watering troughs where the flocks came to drink, so that they should conceive when they came to drink. So the flocks conceived before the rods, and the flocks brought forth streaked, speckled, and spotted. Then Jacob separated the lambs and made the flocks face toward the streaked and all the brown in the flock of Laban. But he put his own flock by themselves and did not put them in Laban's flock. Man, it's going to get interesting. And it came to pass that whenever the stronger livestock conceived that Jacob placed the rods before their what? I didn't hear that. Their what? Even what the animals produce could be altered by what they see. Wow. He says, see, if, if they see stripes, they're going to produce what? Stripes. Just like you, if you see poverty, you're going to produce what? Aren't you even as a man, what are you seeing? What are you seeing? Because it doesn't matter what we give you. It's what you're seeing. He altered what the animals produced by changing what they were seeing. Do you see it? Even the animal kingdom responds. Someone shout, I see prosperity. Someone shout, I see favor. Someone shout, I see increase. See it. And you will produce it. Amen? And watch what he says. Uh, Jacob, but the flocks were feeble. With the flocks that were feeble, he did not put them, them in. So the feebler were Laban's and the stronger were Jacob's. Thus the man became what? Exceedingly prosperous and had large flocks, female and male servants and camels and donkeys. It is his, his, his faithfulness that brought him to a place of shareholding. It is his faithfulness that brought him to a place of exceeding prosperity. Why don't you stand on your feet? Thank you, Jesus. Man, I'm telling you, God has kairos moments for us as a church. God opportune times. But let me tell you, based on the principle of being faithful with the less, so you can tap into the greater. You will not tap into the Kairos time without being faithful in the Kronos time. You're going to have to master how to be faithful with the Kronos time. 24 hours of the day. 
so that you can tap into your Kairos moments or the Kairos time. The God opportune times. Hallelujah. So there's no Kairos moments for late comers. Because you haven't mastered Kronos. And when you go in the marketplace, if you say, I'm going to meet you at 8 a.m., make sure you're there at 7.45. Be faithful. Thank you, Jesus. For about five minutes, just begin to pray in the Holy Spirit. Thank God for your life. Thank Him for your business. Thank Him for placing you in your company, for your job. Be grateful. Thank Him for it. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you that these kings carry a marketplace authority that cannot be denied. Thank you, Lord Jesus. No, no, no. These kings are not average. They are not average. They receive and download witty inventions from above. Better ways of doing what they do in the marketplace. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. We release a marketplace anointing right now in Jesus' name. Do it for them, Lord. And I'm telling you, by the word of the Lord, some of you will begin to dream dreams. Some of you will begin to see in the spiritual realm things that you cannot fathom. Thank you, Lord Jesus. In this season, man, you need to make time to spend time with God and let him download things in your spirit. The spiritual realm is loaded. God was not surprised when we discovered Facebook or the internet. It was already there in the Garden of Eden. We were slow. We took 6,000 years to discover the internet. Can you imagine how slow we is? God knew the aerodynamics of flying in the Garden of Eden. He had birds flying from the beginning. We took 6,000 years to discover that. Man, in this season, we are submitted to God. We are submitted to ideas that are from above. Ideas that will bring significance in the marketplace. 
ideas for my company. Give them better ways of doing things. Quicker ways to get customers and keep them. Do it for them, Lord. Father, we thank you. We give you praise. Lord, we thank you for favor. These your children. Those who are pursuing a career. Lord, I pray that you may place them in the right career. Lord, I pray that you may begin to bring the right people in their path. Lord, I thank you that you may begin to give them ideas, witty inventions that will change the trajectory of the company that they work for. May your blessing be manifested through them in the marketplace. I thank you for business people. I thank you for entrepreneurs. Lord, I thank you that you're opening doors. Hey, that unlikeliest anointing, we release it right now in Jesus' name. Unlikely connections, unlikely customers, unlikely contracts, unlikely tenders. In the name of Jesus. The least likely will begin to happen for them. Thank you, Jesus. Father, we thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for those who are in ministry. Lord, we thank you that you are showing them the path that they should go and that they will not deviate from it. So that in the end, you may say, well done, my good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Man, we are in a season where God will begin to give wisdom. But deep calls unto deep. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. And I want you to catch something. I want you to catch something. Just look at me for a second. This is not about paper checks. This is about becoming significant. And I know a lot of people who are successful, but they're not significant. If they die today, we won't miss them. But I'm talking the same thing that operated in Steve Jobs. And you could be in the middle of the bush in Urum where you would be like, man, this guy was amazing. He changed my life. He changed the way I live life. And that's what I'm talking about. I'm talking about significance. I'm talking about being a significant player in the company that you work. Not just a routine, you know, player that goes eight to five, come out and get your paycheck. We do it again next year. God never created any of his children to be stuck in the rate race. He created all of you for significance. And I would have been a failure as a pastor if I don't help you discover that 
purpose and flourish in the marketplace. I would have failed. Even if you come to church 52 times uh, uh, a year, if you don't get to live in the lane that called God predestined, I will have failed. And I don't want to fail. I don't want to fail. So this has to come to pass. This has to come to pass. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Well, and I'm telling you, be expected. This is it. This is it. The most unlikely things. Some of you don't believe. Man, I had a 73-year-old man come to the early service, an Africana guy. He drives 100 kilometers just to be in church. He came to me, he said, man, I wish I had met you 45 years ago. And I said, I wasn't born 45 years ago. How likely is that? How likely is that according to your own algebra? Does that make sense? 100 kilometers every Sunday. there's something brewing in this ministry and you can tap into that anointing and take it to the marketplace we love you god bless you and remember these words from second corinthians 5 verse 7 for we walk by faith and not by science